And we're live. Hello, 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 everyone. I'm Alana Whitaker. Welcome back to the Digital Green Book Podcast. I have a very, very, very special guest with me today. If you don't know who Omi Bell is, you're about to learn right now. This woman is well regarded all around the VC and the angel community. She's out here on the road actively hosting activations to get capital into people's hands. Not only that, she's very transformative in the tech industry, in my opinion, because when I met this young woman, she was hosting a Black Girls Ventures event, and I literally watched five different Black women display so many different types of tech. It changed my mind as far as the limitations of what I even could do. And I've been so inspired since I've attended that event. But Omi is not limited to just that. She does so many things. She's even running the New York Stock Exchange Bill, which we're going to get into that. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Omi, for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yay. So I love interviewing people. I love talking to people who I think do dynamic things, and I think that's definitely you. So I would love to get into a bit of your backstory. What sort of led you to the field that you're in now? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because I've lived a lot of lives. I've had a lot of careers. I'm a computer scientist. I mm-hmm. left uh, college. I went to North Carolina A&T, left there, went to teach in the meantime. Now, I thought like, oh, I'll just teach in the meantime until I go get a corporate job. Fell in love with teaching. I was teaching computer classes. Um, started my first company while I was teaching middle school. Actually, it was a web development company. And um, this was back in the day. Okay. Now, I'm not that old, but, you know. This was when there was macromedia, right? There was a, you know, macromedia owned Flash and Dreamweaver. Adobe didn't yet own it. You know, this is when people were just coming out of using front pages and just to build websites, right? Like this was being animated, uh, being able to animate using Flash. And I, I, during that stint, I was like, people wanted so many things that were not possible that may be a little bit more possible today. But like back then they wanted you to like, can you take this picture of me? Help make me jump off the page. And I'm like, no ma'am and no sir. I cannot do that. So, <laughs> um, so that business, I ended up like letting that business go. Cause I do believe that you don't fail. You just stop. And so I, I quit that business. Um, and I've done so many things. I was a nanny. I sold vacuum cleaners before. I caught myself a private eye at one point. That's a different story for a different day. I worked for the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Um, I worked in workforce development. So, like, so many different professions that I've tried. In hindsight, though, when I think about it, all I tell people, you're not starting over. You're starting from here. Because all of that experience, you know, all of that career switching and pivoting and trying different things led to the fullness of what I've been able to create with Blackmore Ventures. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, also doing some work with Google and training community on marketing mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Prior to BGV, I had a print shop um, and I had a t-shirt line called Made by a Black Woman. So I, like, I've just been trying a lot. In 2016, when, when you say you When you say you didn't fail, you stopped. When did you know it was time to cut the cord on a business that you felt was no longer serving you? For me, honestly, it wasn't making money. <laughs> like, so it was like, there you go. It, it was like I, had, I, I was a single mom of two at that time. I now have three children, but you know, and I needed to make money. And so, even working those professions I had, 
I was working a side job doing, I was doing the side hustles of all the mm-hmm. other stuff. So like being a teacher, I was side hustling as a nanny, a bartender, yada, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and um, because America's just not built for a single person to be raising two children. And so mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's an American problem, not a you, you know, black person, single mom, mom, woman problem, underrepresented mm-hmm. community member problem. We are dealing with real American challenges. And it was the NASDAQ where I res- rang the bell, but the, um, you know, I said in my speech, like, this is not a black story. It's not a woman's story. Mm-hmm. My story is an American story. Hmm. Hmm. Any reason that you make that particular distinction? Because I used to be on section eight and I used to be receiving food stamps and while actively teaching school, you know, actively teaching kids K through 12 education. And I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. Um, and I remember, you know, even going to the grocery store when you first get your food stamps loaded up, you know, and just feeling like, you know, I had a bunch of food in my car and feeling like everybody knows. Hmm. Everybody knows that it's, it's close to the first of the beginning of the month and I'm here with these food stamps. They know. They know that I'm not good enough. They know that I'm not smart enough. Even though I have a degree in computer science, they know. You know, Even though I'm teaching your children every day, you know, they know, you know, like it was, and then I had to, it dawned on me, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. In fact, if if black people make up, you know, 13% or so of the population, there's no way that we're the majority of people on food stamps. You know, now, we, so saying all that to say, I had to be like, wait a minute. I would meet so many people who I'm like, hold up. You know what? Like, oh, you dealing with it too? Oh, shoot. You also, oh, wait, you, you got food stamps too? Like, then I'm like, and in all, all different walks of life. Not even just black. I'm talking about people of the rainbow of colors, right? That's probably a frustrating point for for me that I noticed, especially with my healthcare background, is that we're the face of these services, but we are not the majority user of these services. And it's something very specific in making us the face of those things. So I I love what you represent. I love that you realize that and were able to pivot your, your mindset regarding that when when did you start feeling more empowered in your situation and less shame around the fact that this is an everybody problem honestly and i mean that specific thing that you're speaking to is reaganomics but that can be a different conversation um the um i i didn't i don't know that i got over uh i mean i feel like i still work through sometimes the shame of it and i feel like that's where mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome kicks in at the level i'm at mm-hmm. right like i'm out here and i didn't build business you know i didn't built the business i didn't made the money i'm doing things i've impacted thousands of people i'm you know and you know when you run it in the world of finance you're up against people who went to harvard business they mm-hmm. went to stanford they have a certain kind of network they haven't built anything let me be clear a lot of the times these finance people haven't built a darn thing, right? And they and they're like, "Oh, I got it. I know. I'm." Duh, duh, duh. And you and you're looking at them like Slim. You you've never had to feed a family with your bare hands, with your ideas, with your thoughts. You've never had to feed a family with your thoughts. You need to put that on a shirt. Wait a minute. 
<laughs> Wait, have you ever had to feed somebody with your thoughts? With your what? thoughts, with your, what? just your idea. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm not surprised because I've talked to so many people that I consider moon and stars, just amazing. And I've, I've had this conversation about imposter syndrome quite a bit. I experience it very frequently. Like I'm traveling, I'm teaching, I'm speaking, but I feel it often. And for you, for me to hear you say in this moment that you still at this level are feeling imposter syndrome is, is blowing my mind. What, what Are there specific moments that you feel imposter syndrome or what makes you feel that? I think that I, you know, they say comparison is the, the enemy of joy, right? And like, mm -hmm. I think that when you start saying like, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not, I'm not all the way here. I'm there, but I'm not all the way there. Look at them. They're all the way there. Look at how easy it looks for them. Look at how easy it looks for, for that organization. Look how easy it looks. You know, you have to just be honest with yourself and be like, I am comparing apples to apples. I remember, I'm sorry, apples and oranges. I remember one time I was in a studio. Oh, and this is a moment that I come back to. So when I do have these moments, I come back to this moment. I was my makeup artist and stylist, um, amazing woman. She was, um, I was in her studio and I was taking calls because I, this was maybe like, this is a while ago. This is maybe at least... We're seven years in. This was at least five years ago. So I'm in her studio and I'm taking calls or whatever. And I got off the phone. And I said, man, I'm so tired. Like, I'm so tired of these white people getting all the capital easily for their organizations. And we are here. We got to fight for it. And you got it. You know, and I'm going. And she said, you know what? You know what your problem is? You know, you got to have those friends that will at least say to you, you know what your problem is? You know? So she said, you built this looking at your community mm -hmm. and at some point you turned around and you started looking at them you got to turn back around and look at your people and so anytime i get to a place where i'm feeling like you know look out a and look out she and look out look out a what a, you know Mm -hmm. I remind myself, I built this saying my people got some got something I can solve. I, I think I could do something about what my people and my people honestly doesn't even mm -hmm. look like a race or ethnicity or gender. It doesn't. My people is vast. My people um, is a thought process. My people is an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's been beaten out of you, it's been beaten down. Like my people is a true um is a, I'm going to make a way out of no way people. That's my mm -hmm. people. Whoever you are, for you know, wherever you are, whoever you are. I think that's amazing. And I think that was a message even for me, because I really feel like the entire reason I even started interviewing people is I would reach out to people who I considered amazing. And I'm like, can I just have a conversation with you? Can I just, can I just pick your brain for a few minutes? And I realized that the caliber of conversation that I was having with people would benefit more people than just myself, because mm -hmm. so many people relate to the things that I'm curious about or the things that I want to hear. And just looking at all the woo childs in the chat and all the love and people are really feeling exactly what you're saying. What you're saying resonates with so many of us because oftentimes we are 
in silos or we're out here in this world trying to operate, just trying to make our business work, just trying to make ends meet. And then we do start comparing, if not via social media, just looking at your coworkers or the environment around you. And that really can put a toll on you and how you show up in this world. So as somebody who owns two businesses, I really do receive you saying that in this moment because it's like, no, you know what? I am doing a good job. I am doing a really good job. And I shouldn't be worried about where that other person's business is. I should be focused on like what KPIs and milestones can I hit for myself? So I I receive that. Thank you, Omi. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) let's, let's talk a little bit in specificity about Black Girl Ventures. So how did you even throw the first event? How was this concept born? So my background, like I told you, I've, been, I've lived many lives. I was also doing performance poetry before. And I would say, like, that's how I learned how to build community. When I started out performing, I've been writing poetry since I was like eight. But around 2009 is when I started, like, hitting the stage and, like, really going on stages and performing. And then from about 2000 and that time, 2009 to about 2013, mm-hmm. I was organizing community events. So I was hitting the ground, boom, 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 like, Organizing. I saw how easy it was to get into organizing. So first I was just performing a lot. And then I started like organizing. Um, and so I learned community building from that. Mm-hmm. Um, after doing that for a while and going back and going back to work and working in workforce development, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I decided to, um, that I would, when in, okay, so 2016, mm-hmm. the news came out. Women, black women are starting businesses at six times the national average, yet receiving less than 1% of venture capital. And so honestly, I just thought to myself, I can do something about this. Mm -hmm. So I threw it for me, it was like, it was a community event. It was a brunch Mm -hmm. in in Southeast DC in a house. Mm -hmm. Um, 30 people showed up. I put it up on meetup.com. 30 people showed up. We voted with marbles and coffee mugs. If you like that person's pitch, you put your marble in their coffee mug and that was it. I honestly did not think a lot about it. It's funny today, um, I was just talking to one of my colleagues and I was saying to her like, hey, I wasn't thinking, I was I was feeling and I was moving with what was my strategic, my, like I, I was I'm a strategy person and I'm a systems person. So, cause I'm, a, I'm, I'm an engineer, right? So like I was just moving and saying, okay, create framework, try, attempt, go back to your code, figure out the glitch, try, attempt, go back. Like, mm-hmm. that's how my brain works. Couple that with art mm-hmm. and community building, and then that's who I am, right? So I'm that engineer <laughs> that's systematically being like, mm. so I'll tell anybody, mm-hmm. you know, your engineering brain is priceless. Mm-hmm. Couple your engineering brain with entrepreneurship and a little bit of art, you're unstoppable. Into intuition to add intuition to that, can't mm-hmm. nobody catch you because you're thinking at a level where you're like, I could take anything and systematize it. And so bi- basically I took this idea, put it together and people liked it. So I said, let's keep doing it. And so that's literally how we started. It was people come together. So initially I would charge people at the door. Mm-hmm. The people would pitch, audience would vote, audience would give feedback. And then people, I would give the money that we raised at the door to the winner. Mm-hmm. That was that was so so imagine putting together a little bit of a poetry slam and a little bit of the um the rent party from the early 1900s right put those together and bam i was getting funding from the community to people how dope is that 
It was, and it was fun. I mean, it's still fun, but I mean, like that was really it. It was, I think I can solve this. Here's the two things that exist that I'm going to put together to sort of reprogram how fun it can flow. And even something as organic as that turns into a business concept. And I think a lot of people, as far as cooking, figure that out. They're like, oh, I'm a really good cook. People keep ordering their food. They fall into it naturally. But when we're thinking about tech and especially how underrepresented, especially people of color are in tech, they're not even necessarily sure where they fit inside of this space. But the way you just characterize how your brain thinks and frames information, a lot of us do think that way. And they don't even recognize or realize possibly just due to lack of exposure that they may be a really good fit for that kind of role, be a project management or systems planning or engineering. So that's also why I really do love having these conversations because we all do so many varied things inside of these spaces. You simply saying that may inspire somebody to look into that career trajectory or things surrounding that. So thank you for that. Where is somewhere that Black Girl Ventures hasn't gone yet that you want to go with it? Yeah, abroad, probably. So, like, I think that if you're talking about, like, location or just, like, efforts, I would say that I'm looking at um, how we go abroad. So, like, what, where in the world are we needed? I think that, so, you know, I don't want to be a player. I want to be the league. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, we're setting up in different regional places because eventually I want us to be able to just be everybody compete all the things I built you all compete against each other and we get this larger part of money that's eventually like where I want to go and I'm thinking about like what kind of things from the early days of what I built right that can or or even from now what could exist in other countries I'm thinking about the diaspora how do we work across the diaspora Right. So that we just become stronger as a nation of people of color. You know what I mean? Like, how do we? And I think there's there's some power in that. I think that um, there's there's things I've been able to do. So um, the, uh, the State Department has a program called Tech Camp. And I want I feel like I want to tell everybody about it because not a lot of people know. But um, if you Google Tech Camp Global, um, it should pop up. It's a State Department program where you can go to other countries and work with, oh, thank you for listening to my show, Robin, but, and work with um, entrepreneurs in different countries. I've been able to go to Oman and work with entrepreneurs. I worked in Lagos. And this summer, I'm going to be going to Nairobi, Kenya, and work with entrepreneurs as well. And so it's helpful for me because I want to know, like, what are people dealing with that that for us is kind of like, oh, it's a no-brainer that I can take in and use as a solution to really help as many women as I can across the diaspora and beyond. So I think that like, we're looking at like, how do we enter ecosystems abroad? I think that makes a lot of sense. And the need for it is definitely there. Um, I've traveled abroad a bit, not as much as I've wanted to, but probably more than the average bear. And when I say people are so interested in these sorts of concepts, especially uh, community is really strong globally. I feel like it's something we really have to curate here. But even the concept of what you're talking about, just communing and spreading wealth in that way is such a phenomenal concept. I want to see you on every single in on every single continent in every single country. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. 
What's something that you do to de-stress because you have a very busy schedule? Hey, I do. <laughs> um, and it's a great question. So a coach of mine, I had a coach who recommended regular massages. So I do, um, so I do, I, I used to, I fell off a little bit. I'm trying to get back on that wagon, but I used to do bi-weekly and sometimes weekly massages. It is a game changer. When I t- If you get a massage twice a month, your life will be different. I remember I went to a meeting and after the meeting, um, somebody texted me like, you handled that very well. I said, it's the massages. The massages got me relaxed. <laughs> so I would say I do that. Um, I am trying now to also just really be conscious of my family time. You know, I love spending time with my family and um, spending time with my daughter. I have, I have a, I mean, I have three children, but I have a younger daughter. Um, so she keeps it fun. She's eight and everything means different things to her and adult kids I have. So, um, I try to spend more time with her and just play. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, we cannot lose play. Like college cannot be the last of the fun times we have. How many shirts have you made today? Just with all the sayings you got today. <laughs> college cannot be the last fun time. And some of our community doesn't even get the opportunity to go to college. So high school is where a lot of people feel like they peak sometimes. That's right. That's a word about stress and stress reduction and the fact that you have something incorporated into your schedule to maintain that and, and mitigate stress from happening is also something I think we don't take into consideration. 100%. So when we're thinking about things that we could do as a collective, what's something that you think, we're just speculating, what's something you think we could do as a people to sort of reduce that stress so we can be more effective and show up more in our daily lives? Oh, well, one, I think it's how we can respond to each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes just if a person pops into my into your mind, it's a reason. Mm-hmm. Send them a note. Hey, you know, like, you good? I'm good. You good? All right. You know, I think sometimes the, the most, the best thing you could say, mm-hmm. the most comforting thing you could say to somebody is, I see you. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. And just being quiet. You know, sometimes, you know, it's just a question that we ask a lot, like on my team is, how can I show up for you? You know, something that I'm always asking when people are sharing things with me, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, great. Well, how can I show up for you? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that a lot of times people just need you to even just say that. (laughs) Like, they don't know how you can actually show up for them, but the fact that you thought about it feels good. So I think that... um, I don't believe that we were meant to be here alone. I don't, you know, in any capacity, right? And so it's just, I mean, and, and there's studies on this as well. Like we're not meant to be alone. You're not meant to do it alone. You're not meant to go at it alone. Like, so all of this narrative that I think comes from like massive levels of oppression that says, do it yourself. You go get it, you know, you could put it all on your back and it's like, nah. And you're not meant to. Not a, and, and so you not been able to do it by yourself is not a fail. You're actually not built to. You're not meant to. Sociology will tell you you're not meant to do anything alone. Yeah, you're not even meant to hold. You got two hands because you're not meant to hold up something alone. You got two hands because you're not meant to hear out of one. You know what I mean? And, and and I don't want to. That is a very ableist. Let me acknowledge that that is very ableist of me to say that. 
But I mean, I, I, I don't want to offend. I don't mean it in that way. But I'm just saying that, like, you know, the idea that you're not meant to be alone is real. Um, you're not meant to be alone. And I love that concept as well. I That's something that I feel like I really learned in healthcare, all the way from when you would see premature babies. But if you put them on their parents' chest, they had far better outcomes. Or if you put them with their siblings, they were more robust and their uh, survival rates like increased dramatically all the way to school and recess and why kids favorite time is that because they get to interact with each other as opposed to being stagnant and locked into a desk and just stuck in that one place all the way to adulthood and when you said college shouldn't be the last time that you have fun when i really think about what made that time super fun and why i enjoy a lot of what i do now is the communal aspect is the i get to talk with people i get to listen to people on an emotional level and all those things you just listed are soft skills. Literally, they're soft skills, the ability to communicate, the acknowledging when somebody might need communication or someone to reach out to them, empathy, all those things I feel like get overshadowed and overlooked, especially when we're talking about like hard technical sciences and the tech career, like we're all oh, team yeah. computer. <laughs> we're team computer very, very much so. But so... As we come to a close, because Jesus, 27 minutes almost flew by so rapidly. Um, I really want to lean into where do you think that people who want to go through Black Girl Ventures or position themselves even for venture capital or angel investment from our community specifically? We know there's different programs and things out there now, uh, but if they're trying to frame themselves mentally to be in the right mindset to go through something like your accelerator or your your pitch competition, how can they more so prepare themselves? Yeah, great question. Well, okay, so let's talk about just uh, briefly. So angel investing and venture capital, right? So um, just just to be clear, so that everybody knows, um, angel investing is, or an angel investor is a single person who has their own wealth that they're investing from. Then a venture capitalist means that you are, basically investing somebody else's money and you're getting a cut off of that at some point, not immediately, but at some point, um, like when you do well, they'll get, uh, they'll get a cut off of it. Right. Um, you know, so with that, I think that you gotta think you gotta be in the right money mindset. How do you think about money? Right. And I remember, uh, this, uh, this woman, she said to me, uh, this wealth manager, she said, there's spenders and savers. It doesn't matter how much money you, you got. Mm-hmm. There's people, billionaires who got cash flow problems because they spend too much. And then people who you would think have, quote, unquote, no money, and they are able to save up millions of dollars because they're savers. So it's the way you think about money. When it comes to investing, we are getting into it because we want to make money too. So we want to put money into you and we want to make money together. The understanding of that holds people back from understanding that this, you're getting into a sort of partnership where somebody else is gonna have some say because they wanna make money too, right? And so I think that's a confusion around like, oh yeah, I want venture capital, you know, I wanna, and it's like, do you? Are you ready to let that thing go? Mm-hmm. Also note that the investors make money when there is a uh, liquidity event of some sort. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, you get, if there's an acquisition, a merger, um, if you go public, 
that kind of thing. That's when the investor is going to make money. So that is what the investor is hoping for. If you're not hoping for that, then you may want to think about how you go about investment. In terms of participating in pitch competitions or places where you articulate your business and get money, um, you know, very simple. What is it? Why is it? Why are you for it? Why do I care about it? That I makes sense. That could sound harsh. <laughs> so, like, hey, just know that you're here to articulate an opportunity. You're mm -hmm. not here to ask me for money. I don't like asking people for money. That's not what you're here for. Because if it's an opportunity, guess what? I'm, I'm going to get the money. Like, when I, if I see a product I like, that product ain't asking me to buy it. I'm like, I need a new candle. Let me try this one. And, and I'm a super online shopper, by the way. I buy things from social media all the time. So make sure you go shop as you okay. Come on, Black-owned businesses. Put your yeah, media I'm in. A, I'm, a, I'm a shopper. I'm I'm the one that they keep pushing the ads to because I'm struggling <laughs> to buy stuff. But, <laughs> so you get all the ads in single-handedly. I do, all of it. But ultimately, I'm saying, like, what? how are you thinking about what you're presenting? Mm -hmm. And are you giving me an opportunity to get into business with you? Are you giving the audience an opportunity to help you grow? Um, you know, people don't want to, I would say for investors, a friend of mine says it, and one of my investment friends says is like, investors don't want to invest in you to go. They want to invest in you to grow. <laughs> so if you're in the go phase of your business, you might want to think about what kind of capital you need. If you're in the growth phase of your business, meaning you figure some things out, you know some things, you ready to rock. Then yeah. like now you're looking at investment dollars. I think you frame that very, very well. Well, you do this for a living, but you frame that very, very well. Have you ever participated in a pitch competition, by the way? I mean, I'm fundraising all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the <laughs> the better part of being in a pitch competition is you get to hear everybody else that's competing against you, right? When you're fundraising, you don't get to hear everybody else. You don't know who you're competing against. You're just hoping that your pitch is the best. Mm -hmm. um, so I've never participated in like a actual pitch competition in that way where I had to like get on stage, show my deck and, you know, and then have some people decide in front of me immediately. No, I haven't. But but I'm always fundraising. So I'm in multiple meetings on a regular basis where I am pitching to someone more privately and trying and raising capital to keep BGB going. I think that's so amazing. So the last question I sort of want to ask you on the way out is what is something that you're doing and where can people show up and pull up for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I just wrote a, my book just released originate, motivate, innovate seven steps for building a billion dollar network. Um, it is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble books, a million, wherever you buy books. Um, if you go to Amazon and search Omi bell, it'll pop up. Um, so go get a copy of that. So you can show up for me that way. Um, you can also follow me on like TikTok and Instagram because I'm funny sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Um, is at Omi Bell everywhere. Also, you know, be a part of Black Girl Ventures if you have a business or if you volunteer or if you have resources. We always want to help our community grow and help the women that we serve. So this is www.blackgirlventures.org. Perfect.org, not com, dot org. Yes. Well, this has been a very enriching conversation for me. I really, really am grateful for your time. 
and I'm looking forward to hitting some personal milestones and I'm I'm marching. I'm marching on my own path. I'm marching right behind you, sis. I'm marching right behind you. Come on. We need more of me. Or more, <laughs> you know, like you know, like I can't do it by myself. It's like, come on, you bring your angle, bring your thing, and come on, and let's help, and let's get this community going. You know, like, you know, we can't, we don't, I think um Arlen Hamilton also says this, where it's like we need more of her. We need more of me. We need more of, you know, like the, the collab capitals. We need, we need more of the, like, we need more. So yeah. for any of you out there that are even thinking about starting communities or starting investment, you know, funds and things like that, like you should think about it because yeah, we need to oversaturate this space. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to reading your book. I'm looking forward to learning some tips on how to be more efficient at doing those things, raising the funds and woo, because you you said the status less than 1% and it's still been less than 1% for a minute. That's right. But have a blessed day, Omi. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day.